Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. There you go. Now you're back in the swing of things. Yeah, I'm ready this time. It's been the plane flight three off on the first show. <laughs> I was taking a drink, you know. <clears throat> well, then, yeah, now now we have beer. Mm-hmm. Get some drinking going here. It makes the shows far more entertaining. <laughs> yes. More lubricated. Yeah. Easier blowing. We should always have the mics on during the breaks. That's really where the show (laughs) is. Right. You know, I think people would have to pay extra for that. And then it would help for it with... They have to pay for it. Yeah. And then help for, like, you know, my kids for any, you know, emotional distress and... Mm -hmm. uh, Help them pick the college of their choice. Right. Uh, Any later on, uh, you know, counseling they need or anything like that from from hearing the... uh, what about my counseling bills? My counseling bills are huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're all yeah, messed but up. Anchor in head. managements are usually group sessions. No, that's true. <laughs> You'd think it would cut the the cost, but yeah, right. Sometimes you pay more for more people. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Palmer, where's your new hat? It's right here beside me. I was I was fancy gonna, new BN Army hats. Yeah, I couldn't mm. I couldn't quite get it over the headphones, but. Uh, you it's, put the hat on first, and then you put the hat. See, you know, see how uh, JP has done it. It's a process. I managed yeah. to do it. Yeah, if JP was able to do it. I would think you would have been able to do it, but apparently not. Uh, I like I like the the soft mesh. It's uh, it's nice touch. Oh, the yeah. mesh is soft. It's not uh, yeah, not, not all hard because I saw that I was thinking, well, maybe that's uh, you know that plasticky mesh, and I don't really care for yeah. that. But that's not actually a nice soft mesh. I it like is. That. Yeah. It's a nice hat. My bald head can take it. I like it. <laughs> Your bald head can take it. Yeah, it can. Take it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Blickman Engineering. Yeah, right. Just like John Blickman at Blickman Engineering. I'm sure he could take it more than twice. Mm-hmm. He's uh, probably <laughs> taken it several times. Yeah. They don't call the tower power for nothing. Right. There you go. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> what the, are we talking about hats still or what? No, we're talking about... Blickman. Oh, the Blickman, Blickman has hats, Blickman too. Blickman Engineering. Yeah. yeah, I bet you they have some sweet hats. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just like everything that that company does, uh, they're they're very uh, innovative. Yeah. And, um, you know, they have, uh, they use their substantial genius that they hold within their heads to make uh, substantially great products that uh, make it easier for you to brew. Uh, Innovate your brew day. And and better, you know... You know, brewing, um, it was a lot about uh, a lot of things, but 
you know, one of the things quality equipment does for you is make it easier for you to produce a consistent product. And right. uh, if you want to be a professional brewer, uh, it's all about consistency and being able to repeat what you're doing. Not because you just need to make the same beer over and over again, but because uh, consistency allows you to dial in things and to adjust it right. to make it... Uh, uh, you know, the beer you want it to be. Like we were talking yeah, about the Evil Twin. twin. Yeah. Um, you know, when we first brewed it, I thought it was good, but it wasn't exactly what we wanted. So we've been very slowly, you know, dialing it in and making small changes. And the only w- way we can do that is by consistency. Everything's very consistent, and the, the equipment helps us with yeah. our consistency, and so we're able to uh, dial it into where we want to be. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's what a good quality homebrewing equipment does, too. Sure, you can do a, a great job with you know a plastic bucket with holes drilled in the bottom, but um, you we, know I, it's difficult to to get a level of consistency and things like uh, you know the Tower of Power, especially you know the precision yep. at which that controls you know the brew process, uh, you know and just uh, it's finely machined uh, you know pieces of equipment uh, yeah. that they they sell. You know that the change it, that you detect is a change that you planned. It's not right. a random one. Mm-hmm. Based off of you know, uh, you know how old your plastic bucket's getting. So mm-hmm. uh, check it out, BlickmanEngineering.com. They've been uh, sponsoring the show, paying for it, so you don't have to. So uh, uh, go check them out. Good, good people and uh, great equipment. Definitely, uh, great people. Uh, who am I kidding? <laughs> uh, I love me my uh, John Blickman. He's he's one funny dude. Yep, he's a good guy. Yeah. And speaking of funny dudes, uh, JP. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> yeah. uh, funny in the head? No. Um, speaking of funny dudes, uh, we were going to talk about distribution today. Ah. By <laughs> definition, a bunch of... Continue our progasm. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, we, we've got a couple more shows that we're going to do in the progasm series. So distribution we're talking about today. We're going to be talking about uh, marketing in, in the next one, and then we'll have uh, another show with some some words of advice. But uh, we also uh, encourage you, we'll do some Q&A shows, as many Q&A shows as we need to do, focused on the, the pro-gasm arena. Uh, we've already got some, some great questions in uh, about uh, for the pro-gasm. Uh, you can send them to uh, Bruce Strong at thebrewingnetwork.com and, uh, or Jamal at thebrewingnetwork.com and uh, just say it's for pro-gasm uh, Q&A. And we'll make sure to do it in that in those progasm shows and whatever your questions are about uh, starting your own brewery or you know about that that process, um, uh, we'll be we'll be glad to to tackle those for you. Right, so send right. them on in. And today, like I said, we're talking about distribution, which is really one of the stranger aspects of uh, going pro. Um, it's one that uh, a lot of people really aren't prepared for. Well, it's where the the rubber meets the road. Now, if you're doing uh, uh, a brew pub or something like that, your distribution is to your consumer there at the bar or wherever, right? Right. You, you direct to consumer is what your your model is there, and you could also, if you have extra beer, you could sell it to local bars in your area, things like that. If you're in a self distribution state, you could go ahead and take those around. Generally, you know, some states may require some sort of, you know, licensing for that or some permits. Uh, generally, uh, not too difficult. Uh, some states you can't do that, and then you need a distributor. 
and the distributor then picks it up from you, takes it around, uh, sells it. You know the the three tier system where uh, you know uh, you have the uh, the manufacturers, the distribution, and the and the uh, retail. Uh, yeah. why, why did the whole distribution thing come about? Uh, can you that well? Um, <coughs> I'll, uh, you know. I'm not sure the actual genesis of the thing, but uh, you know, some people say that the, one of the reasons it's protected in some areas is to prevent, you know, a monopoly or some, you know, problem with the consumer or this that. I, there was some story about how due the three tier system came about due to tied houses, that kind of tied houses. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, to avoid. Um, like in England, they were allowing tied houses, and they were um, how the the breweries actually owned the pubs, mm-hmm. and so uh, they controlled what beers those pubs sold because they were their pubs. And mm-hmm. you, uh, you know, the nice thing about it is they they controlled the quality of the product that you were getting. True. So they knew, you know, that it was fresh. They knew it was handled properly at the pub. It was the best presentation possible. And so a brewery would have, you know, four thousand different pubs. Uh-huh. And uh, the problem, uh, you know, the claim was, well, it's cutting back on, you know, consumer choices and it's monopoly mm-hmm. and. But they'd have like you know a half dozen breweries with four thousand pubs, and um, I guess uh, as, as Dr. Bamforth is uh, uh, keen on saying, it was you know Margaret Thatcher went in and <laughs> you know did that in. They called it a monopoly or whatever, and uh, that ended up uh, causing those uh, breweries to get out of the. You could only own like two thousand pubs or whatever, hmm. and so. It became it's more profitable to own a pub, you know, a, the retail than it is the brewery. And if you can't own the retail, then the brewery doesn't make sense. So it, the end result was it limited, uh, reduced uh, competition, <laughs> reduced choice for consumers, <laughs> and raised prices. <laughs> and it actually pretty much boned the consumer <laughs> based off of that change. Yeah, which is often the case when people try to monkey with you know something that's already working and they think it doesn't work right. Uh, the, the sorts of things like like power supply in California, deregulating mm-hmm. that, and yeah. it was insane. And um, so they have the you know the the three tier thing here um, in the United States. Uh, the issue with that is you know some of the distributors had gotten you know uh, some of the richest families in in the nation are all beer distributors uh-huh. because you know a lot of control over you, know, you couldn't get beer. Mm-hmm. You know the you know the um, brewery couldn't sell any beer, and the retail the retail people couldn't buy any beer without the distributor every drop going through them. Uh-huh. So you can do whatever you darn well please, and you control every drop. And there's not a whole lot of competition if you're you know exclusive in a marketplace. Yeah, in a region. You know, yeah, it can it can really uh, drive uh, uh, a lot of revenue, but. Um, I think that's less of an issue today. I think there's a lot more comp- competition, and uh, in California, you know, new new people start up distributorships all the time. It's like you know, some individual just say, "Yeah, so I'm going to be a beer distributor," and oh, they, really? they start up and they get their license. They apply for a license. They just start. They go to breweries and say, "Hey, I'll distribute your beer for you," yeah. and uh, you know, uh, 
good luck to them. You know, yeah. it's a tough business, and uh, I think it's it's really made the the bigger distributors very sharp and on their game, and they know what they're doing, and they they do an excellent job of it. And so um, I think it's it's interesting how that has changed kind of the landscape, yeah. and, um, yeah. and and craft beer as well, where. I think some of the bigger distributors weren't interested in craft beer before. Now they realize that it's a growth area and that done right, um, you know, a lot of money could be made off of that. Right. And, uh, and the interesting thing, we'll talk about this more in depth as we go forward, is um, I think that the amount that the distributors charge, and a lot of people don't, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't believe this, right. the amount that they charge. I've looked at the numbers that of us self-distributing, and I've looked at, you know, what distributors charge us. And the cost of having the distributor, it's a it's a break even, and it frees us up to yeah. do what we do really well, which is make the beer, mm-hmm. and it puts you know the onus on them of distributing the beer, and that's what they do really well. Yeah. You choose a really good distributor, they're really good at distributing beer. <laughs> you know, they're really very good at you know being efficient about it, collecting you know money and things like that, things that. You're probably not that good at. Uh, I see. Yep. So, uh, well, I've heard I've heard some interesting, you know, talking points uh, from from people you know in the LA beer business that uh, working with distributors, um, you know, talking talking to brew brew pub and other bar owners, and you know, like you know, which distributor you use and how happy are you with them? Right. Um, you know, sometimes you hear about a distributor that charges way too much for the beer mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so you know you, uh, a restaurant is stuck with a an expensive distributor right um or one that doesn't come in you know well and service them well or you know there can be i guess but, i'm know, trying to say this there's there's sure. several sides to this sure. coin sure um yeah uh, we'll get into that Let, let's do this let's take a a short break we haven't taken a break yet i think that's true um and uh, when we come back, we'll, we'll let's let's tackle self distribution first, and uh, we'll get that in the next segment. And then we'll do uh, working with distributors in the segment after that. And how to get distributors is a, another interesting thing. Uh, so let's do this. Take a short break, and we'll be back after this. Tonight is the night. We bring the creature to life, Dr. Blitzkrankstein? Yes, J.P. Gore. Everything is perfect for my next fermented creation. My doctor, the storm is too far away. We'll never have enough power to isomerize the creature's alpha acid. <laughs> yes, J.P. Gore. We will. For I have in my possession the Tower of Power. <laughs> Wickman's new Tower of Power is the evolution of automation. Control hot liquor, sparge, and mash temps like a pro. The Tower of Power is a high-quality gas-fired rim system that works with your current brewing setup. With ultra-precision, the tower can hold your mash to one-half of a degree Fahrenheit. Precision and repeatability. The Tower of Power is the answer to automatic, fast ramp times. See more at BlickmanEngineering.com. Bring your next creation to life with the Tower of Power. Dr. Blickman, with the Tower of Power, you can probably give me an afternoon at the pub to Don't be silly, J.P. We have beer to brew. Ah, What'd you get? 
our brewing ingredients? Yep. You know what I love about Brewmaster's Warehouse? The $6.99 shipping. Well, yeah, but... Oh, the in-store classes for beginning brewers. Yeah, that's cool, but... Oh, oh, the brew builder. Creating and saving your recipes online is... Awesome! No, I'm... Yes, but the cheese-making supplies. No. Oh, the wine-making supplies. Oh, the distilling equipment and liquor flavorings. All that stuff is awesome, yes, but what I really love is that the guy who runs it is totally hot. And, and that brew builder software is awesome. Oh, yeah. Brewmaster's Warehouse brings you flat rate shipping on great equipment and ingredients to make beer, wine, cheese, and spirits at brewmasterswarehouse.com. And if you're in Georgia, stop by Brewmaster's Warehouse Monday through Saturday from 10 to 6. Visit brewmasterswarehouse.com today because it's totally hot. Oh, yeah. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanishev, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, a flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. Are you a member of the American Homebrewers Association? Well, you should be. Members of the AHA can focus on brewing beer, and the AHA takes care of the rest. The American Homebrewers Association advocates on behalf of homebrewers like you to legalize the hobby in all 50 states and make sure that beer laws make sense. Plus, there are many great benefits that come with your AHA membership, like pub discounts that give you awesome deals at bars, restaurants, breweries, and more. Zymergy Magazine and eZymergy. For tons of articles, how-tos, easy-to-follow recipes, and news about the hobby you love. And access to the members-only content on homebrewersassociation.org. But the AHA can't do it without your support. Join today so the American Homebrewers Association can keep fighting for your homebrewing rights. Visit homebrewersassociation.org or join right now from the homepage of the Brewing Network website. Relax. Don't worry. It's the American Homebrewers Association. Have you ever dreamed of taking a beer tour through Belgium or Germany, but weren't sure how to even start? Or were afraid of missing the best places and events? Or maybe you just wish you had a local insider to take you around? Well, there's only one American tour company featured in the Good Beer Guide to Belgium, Belgian Beer Me. Your personal beer tour guide of Belgium and Germany is ready to go at BelgianBeerMe.com and at BambergBeerMe.com. Founder Stu Stewart personally leads eight tours a year to Belgium and Germany, visiting the finest breweries, beer cafes, abbeys, and festivals, stocking stuffers, birthday presents, and the best honeymoon ever. Couples or individuals love Belgian Beer Me beer tours. Your life is now. Sign up for a beer tour today at Belgian Beer Me or BambergBeerMe.com because all that beer is not going to drink itself. Like both Belgian Beer Me and Bamberg Beer Me on Facebook to follow current and upcoming tours. Since the first time the brewing network microphones turned on more beer was behind it 
More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, we're back. We're talking about uh, distribution here on uh, the progasm of uh, Brew Strong. Yes. Everything and, you always wanted about distributors were afraid to ask. Right. Well, and uh, I was going to say, one of the... Uh, uh, great things that the Brewers Association does is uh, they look into, you know, uh, kind of keep an eye on distribution laws and things like that. And they actually have on the website uh, kind of a, uh, a collection, a, a quick uh, uh, view of what the distribution laws are in different states and things like that. And they actually have a guy that uh, watches over that and, and Washington happenings and stuff like that. And, and that is also a benefit to uh, AHA members. And if you're not an AHA member, I, I strongly encourage you to be. Uh, John and I are both AHA members, and right. uh, I wouldn't consider uh, not being an AHA member. Well, I'm not a lifetime member, so I guess I, I have no choice at this point. But <laughs> I felt it was you know well worth it uh, to, to be a lifetime member. And the, uh, the great thing about it is you go to the Brewing Network site, sign up there. There's a link. You click on that, you sign up, and the Brewing Network gets a, a cut of the uh, the action as well. So you're helping the Brewing Network, and you get a great uh, membership in a, in a great organization. It's really uh, looking out for the interests of homebrewers and making homebrewing better. You get Zymergy Magazine. You get uh, the pub discount program. You get uh, uh, the ability to enter the uh, National Homebrew Competition Conference and things like that. You get first notice of when those right. things are happening. They actually have a HA member's uh, members only session at GABF. Right. I'm looking forward to that. So, uh, yeah, then, then that's uh, right after the awards are announced and uh-huh. it's less crowded. They sell a far fewer tickets and you, know, you get all those great beers and, and a lot of breweries try and make sure that they have a special beer there at the members only session. So, mm-hmm. well worth it. Check it out. Uh, again, a great organization. And uh, like I'm saying, they they have a lot of information about uh, distribution laws, and and one of the things uh, you know, if you can set up in a self distribution state, I think that's a really good choice. Oh, really? Because when you're first starting out, uh, you know, you brew a batch of beer, and uh, for example, in California, all you got to do is have your labels posted and your price posted, and then you can go ahead and self distribute all you want. That's all you got to do. You just got to let them know what you're doing, and then. Um, you know, you can go around to, and there's rules about things like uh, you can you can deliver beer between 3 a.m. and 8 p.m. Monday <laughs> through Saturday in California. Okay. 
Okay. Every state's going to be different. You can't deliver beer on Sundays. Can't deliver beer after 8 p.m. Now, I could deliver it at 3 a.m., but I can't deliver <laughs> it at, at 8.01 p.m., which is really just bizarre to me. So, uh, uh, you know, there's there's all these different rules. That's one of the problems with self-distribution is you need to know all the rules. You need to be very clear on, uh, you know, what you can give a retailer, what you mm-hmm. can't. Uh, you know, uh, some states, uh, you must collect the money on delivery, which I think would be awesome. In California, <laughs> we're allowed to give them 30 days, so everybody wants 30 days. And then you run into some deadbeats. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a bottle shop down in Southern California that was just like, oh, no, nobody pays their bills within 30 days. Well, it's a law in California that you pay your, your liquor bill within 30 days. Oh, no, nobody does. You're, they told, told me that I was naive thinking that people oh would gosh. pay within, within 30 days. I said, you're our only deadbeat account. And it, was, it took you him said, like months. You, you said deadbeat. Did you use that word? Oh yeah, and oh, I and I, I, I actually you. I actually sent them a uh, 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 a notice uh, of uh, uh, going to small claims court to collect. Oh man, and, uh, yeah. And then finally they they loosened up. I was just a, a collection of idiots, and they took over some <laughs> some apparently great liquor store that was doing gangbusters for like sixty years, and then they driving it into the dirt in two years uh, collection of morons but you know that's the kind of things you have to deal with when you're self just distributing you, you know you'll find people that like, yeah yeah we'll carry your beer absolutely yeah. and they'll sell it they'll they'll make a big profit off of it and then they won't pay you yeah you know uh yeah they need that markup in order to pay for the building that they're in the employees that are serving the beer uh times when they pour your beer to somebody and the person goes "Ooh, i don't like that and they have to dump it out right. you know all, all those costs so they're you know they have those costs and they have that markup for a reason you know uh everybody in the chain i think has you know their slice of the pie and the consumer gets you know a reasonably priced product you know high quality product and that's worth it to them and everybody takes their little slice right now you get more of a slice if you do your own self-distribution the problem is you got to deal with, um, you know, some states you can't. Some states right. you can. You got to deal with the laws. You got to know what the laws are. You got to, you got to take, it takes you away from the brewery. You got to pay for fuel, which is expensive nowadays. You got to wrestle those kegs in and out. Right. Uh, all that stuff. And it really adds up. And by the time you collect all your money and all that, uh, it's, it's a considerable amount of effort. Right, right. Uh, and and like I said, I found that you know our costs relating to you know distribution really it's a break even for us. Now, if you could, you need to look to the distributors. Uh, you know Brian Hunt, uh, Moonlight Brewing, right? Okay, that guy self he brewed did everything himself to a thousand barrels annual production wow. by himself. And that includes all the distribution and all that, which is an amazing amount of yeah. work. That guy, that's the one hardworking SOB right there. And uh, I'm just amazed. I, I couldn't do that. I could self-distribute maybe five gallons <laughs> you know, by myself. Uh, you know, as it is, it, it takes me a lot of people to do that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, you... I think if you could look to how the distributors do it, you could kind of 
self-distribute efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the way the distributors make money and are profitable is by doing it perfectly, knowing what they're doing and maximizing their uh, their cost savings where they can mm-hmm. and the profits where they can. And it's that little percentage there that, that determines whether a distributor is somebody just getting along or going out of business mm-hmm. or is profitable and is, you know, enjoying the good life. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. you know, they, they, they work in huge volumes and small percentages uh-huh. and it's perfecting that small percentage. Right. It's getting that extra 10th of a percent profit, you know, where nobody along the chain notices right a difference in price. But they realize because they're dealing in millions of cases of beer, case equivalents of beer, that that tenth of a percent, that's that's some nice gravy right there. Yeah, that's where their money, and is. that's that's yeah. where it is. And uh, you know that's 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 where uh, that's where they're making their profit. What you like gravy? <laughs> who, who are you? <laughs> that's some nice gravy right there. <laughs> some nice gravy. Yeah, just, yeah. They're just getting their beak wet. They just that's what I just need a little a taste. Bit. I need a taste. I, I need, need a, just, just wet my beak a little bit. <laughs> a smiley over there is going to crush your kneecaps. Uh, yes, yes. So, I think you know, self-distributing. You know, if you can, if you can be efficient, uh, you know, schedule. You know, when you start out, it's it's great because you can start selling some beer, you can start getting some revenue rolling. Uh, you know, you don't have to convince anybody other than the retailer to carry your beer, right? Um, you can go in and, and kind of monitor your own lines where you're pouring. Right, right. And you can you can get it done that day. You can go out and sell it and sell it to somebody and see it poured. And that's an exciting thing. But, uh, you know, you need to look at some efficiency. So the, the, when you first start, you're like, yeah, you want a case of beer? Oh, yeah, I'll take it out to you today. You want a, a five-gallon? <laughs> yeah, I'll drive the 60 miles and drop it off. You know, And you're, you're doing all this, and then you realize that any profit you might have made off of that is gone. Right, and then you realize, okay, let's deliver this one area on Thursdays. Let's deliver this other area on Mondays, and let's make sales calls on this day. And you start, you know, you know, aggregating things down. And and if somebody calls and say, "Hey, can I get a keg today?" It's like, well, we're gonna be in your area tomorrow. Yeah, you know, yeah. wait till tomorrow. <laughs> And, uh, you know, you, you start doing things like that. The distributors, you know, they have days when they're delivering. So, you know, the larger distributors, they may be delivering every day of the week. Um, and, you know, the same thing goes on. Uh, distributors will often have a certain minimum that they're willing to deliver. Right. It'll be like $200 or it'll be a certain number of case equivalents. So the distributors work in case equivalents. So uh, a keg will be like... You know, six a uh, half barrel keg would be like six cases of beer. Oh, okay. So uh, everything's broken down to case equivalents, mm-hmm. and you know, the, y- you need uh, you know a certain number of case equivalents in order for them to do a delivery. Because if you send a truck and a driver and all the fuel and all that and the time to go and drop off one thing, right. um, you know, you made no money off of that. Right. So. <clears throat> You know, you can do that as self distribution, but just and and the the bigger distributors they'll do that too. They'll you know if something's really important, somebody's got a vet, or for some reason they ran out or something, and it's a good customer, 
they'll have somebody go and drive a keg out there and take care of it. Sure. You know, they'll, they'll make it work. But, you know, it's just, you know, they have certain uh, efficiencies that they need to maintain in order to main, make profit. And self-distribution, you need to look at the same thing. You need to look at your costs. Uh, you know, anytime you're tying up labor, you know, fuel, your car, things like that, really adds up. And it's it doesn't take much to suck all the profit out of a kega, especially draft yeah. draft product. You're not making a lot on it to start with, right? Small you small know, margin, small margin on that stuff, and um, you know you can very quickly use up all your margin in uh, distribution. So you need to you need to be careful of that. But I do think uh, you know it's an awesome advantage to have because it gets you rolling really quickly, right? Um. I guess I'd like to add, talk about tasting room just for a second. Oh, huh? Yeah. Because um, I was doing a lot of research the last couple of weeks before I went down and did this uh, recent presentation in Mexico. Um, they were, I had a, had a group of people that were looking for opportunities in craft brewing, trying to figure out where where the, op- the business opportunity was best at. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it kind of, I've been talking to successful microbreweries around Los Angeles. Um, one fact that jumped out at me was that um, you know, small breweries are making a lot of money out of their tasting rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, in terms of uh, one one real successful brewery, uh, Eagle Rock Brewery, you know, he was saying that uh, maybe twenty five percent of their beer moves through their tasting room, mm-hmm. but because of the difference in margin, that can represent you know sixty percent of their overall profits. Sure. And um, it's and other places, you know, brew pubs, you know, some they'll say sometimes the sometimes the restaurant carries the brewery and sometimes the brewery carries the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, and, and that's that's a case where you're you're controlling your own sales. It's right. a self distribution in in essence. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's that difference in mar in margin that makes a big difference in how profitable your brewery is. Right. Uh, <sighs> But, you know, you got to keep in mind a few things. So anytime there's more profit, you need to look at what the costs are. Right. So in a tasting room, you know, having somebody there to work it, you know, the extra expense of the tasting room, the, the square footage, the build out of the tasting room, any additional sure. licensing, things like that, uh, issues with security, issues with money handling, all that stuff uh, can add up to... Uh, you know, other expenses. You got to sure. keep that in mind. Yeah. So that's, you know, expenses yeah, that, that you have need to bear on that. Um, you know, you look at a smaller brewery, a tasting room is a great thing mm-hmm. because it gets people to learn about your brewery, things like that. You, you look at a bigger, look at, uh, I was talking to Yusuf at uh, Ballast Point about sure. you know, how important should the tasting room, should we get like a, you know, space that could, we could put, build a nice outdoor beer garden, all that. And he goes, what do you want to be? You know, you need to answer the question for yourself. Do you want to be a small brewery where the tasting room is a big part of it and that's where your revenue is? Then, yeah, get yourself a building that's closer to retail locations. And uh, right. I went up to, to, to view the brew equipment at uh, Good Life Brewing in Bend, Oregon. And I got a, a beautiful kind of warehouse area. It's it's very close to a movie theater all that thing. It's a giant, you know, outdoor beer garden and... Uh, Really nice, yeah. Like beautiful retail setup in a you know, but I'm sure they're paying for that, yeah. you know. So you have these extra costs when you get close to a retail location. If you want to be, 
uh, you know, and Yusuf, they, they, he was telling me, uh, you know, I noticed, I said, uh, well, I noticed you, you expanded your tasting room size. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah. He said, but it doesn't really matter. You know, they're doing really, they're doing good business through there. Right. But he's like, 99% of our beer goes out the back door, not the front door. Right. And so if the tasting room went away, it really doesn't matter. You know, it's not going to affect their business. Sure, yeah. When you have a business where 25% of your sales are going out the tasting room, then it's, you know, critical. Mm-hmm. You, I think you need to make that decision in, in how you want to be selling your beer. Yeah. It can be more profitable, you know, the, the smaller amounts. Um, the Stone Tasting Room, I'm sure, does great. Yeah. But if it, if it went away, I'm sure Stone would do just great and still sell as much beer as they do right. otherwise. Well, I, I think... I, right? I think I, th- I think one uh, reason for that is you know the amount of you know bottle package distribution that Ballast Point does and that Stone does. Uh-huh. You know, some uh, a, a, a brewery that's well established. Yeah, if if you don't have bottles, you need to sell it, or bottles or cans, you need to sell it through your tasting room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to make up for that. Otherwise, you're not going to be profitable. Right. I, I think that's I think that's a real good point. Mm-hmm. But if you choose now. Eagle Rock, I love those guys. I think, you know, great beer, great, great folks. I think they're in a shitty area of town. Oh, they totally are. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that doesn't stop me from going there and, you know, enjoying it. But uh, so maybe they got, you know, lower rent. I I bet you they're still paying a a fair penny because they're in, you know, Southern California. It's a pretty Mm -hmm. expensive Mm -hmm. market. But, um, you know, if I go out to an area where it's more rural, it's away from, you know, population. They've they've got population around them. If I go further away from the population, I can get cheaper rent. Yeah, but it's going to be harder to to fill that tasting room up. True. If I go into where the population is, the rents go up, and then the tasting room better fly. Yeah. In order to to make up for that. So again, it depends on where you're at. If you're out in the middle of some cornfield in Nebraska, I would not yeah, count the tasting room for <laughs> revenue. True. If you're in the heart of um, Los Angeles or San Diego or San Francisco or something like that, I would count on a tasting room to you know be hopping to, to, to be hopping and to make up for that expensive rent that you're paying. Yeah. So you know it's a balancing act on all these. It's I think you know you need to run the numbers and look at how you're going to distribute the beer and and we talked about this earlier. You need to when you do your calculations, you need to talk about how much revenue you're generating per ounce of beer oh yeah Yeah. not i sell this and i make 20 bucks off this keg and i'm only making 10 bucks off this case of beer so uh you know my draft is more profitable it's like well no how many ounces of beer were in there you really need to maximize you know your your per ounce uh revenue and you know tasting room uh that's probably one of your highest per ounce revenues uh, bottled or canned product is probably next, yep. and then uh, draft that you in uh, uh, you know bottles and cans that you sell out of your tasting room is probably real profitable as well, right. and then um, uh, draft product that you sell to dis- to retailers that's next, and lowest on the list is draft to wholesalers your distributors, distributors yeah, and that's your lowest profit margin possible. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it is. So you need to look at that mix. But if you if you have the ability to produce a lot of beer, um, then 
you know, selling it to wholesalers, you know, a few cents an ounce profit. Uh, that's great. Um, it depends on how you're set up. If you're a nano, obviously that's not going to work. If you're right. a nano, tasting room, sell everything through the tasting room. Right. Right. That's the only way you have any shot at it. Uh, you know, if you're a mid-size, then, you know, you can do some distribution, you do some tasting room, do that. You get bigger, you get to like ballast point size, stone size, then right. tasting room is not really important. But bottle product is, definitely. Uh, yeah. you know, where you're making all your, your money. Let's take another short break. When we come back, we'll kind of delve into uh, the whole distributor aspect of it and uh, how you find distributors, how you choose distributors, all that. Back after this. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your home brew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read. Read your way to better homebrew. When Michael Fairbrother started Moonlighting, he had no idea how quickly his dream was going to grow. Having homebrewed for 15 years, Michael decided to go pro, but not with beer. While attending his homebrew club meetings, he saw ladies knocking their men out of the way to try his mead. Moonlight Meadery is now two years old and can produce 200,000 bottles a year. It's the first New Hampshire winery to ever distribute to California and Australia. In fact, you can find Moonlight Meadery Meads in Connecticut, Massachusetts, Maine, Rhode Island, Vermont, and New Hampshire. And they ship direct to 17 states. They produce 56 different varieties of mead and are unlike anything you've ever seen on the market. Michael Fairbrother at Moonlight Meadery is a real success story that can make the BN Army proud. Visit Moonlight Meadery in Londonderry, New Hampshire or online at MoonlightMeadery.com. What does-
does craft beer mean to you? Is it a delicious way to support your town's local brewer? Or perhaps it's the perfect beverage to pair with those delicious meals at your favorite restaurant and at home. Regardless of whether you're thinking of pints or pairings, pilsners or porters, craftbeer.com is the site where craft beer lovers come together to learn and share. Craftbeer.com is brought to you by the Brewers Association and celebrates the best of American craft beer and its brewers. Craftbeer.com is the best place to find craft beer events, recipes, great feature stories, the most up-to-date brewery listings, and resources for your next beer tasting or dinner, like style guidelines, pairing mats, and charts. Get the inside scoop on new beer releases and special events from today's craft beer insiders and chime in to share your own knowledge, perfect pairings, road trips, recipes, and more. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. Are you a hophead? Beer lovers of all stripes will love Brewers Publications' latest release, IPA, Brewing Techniques, Recipes, and the Evolution of India Pale Ale by Mitch Steele. I wanted to write a book that presented an accurate review of the history of IPA and also provided current technical brewing tips and recipe information. India Pale Ale is a style I love because it has a rich, fascinating history, and today it provides brewers a showcase for all the great new hop varieties that are available. I'm so proud of this book, and I know you'll enjoy all the recipes and thoughts from so many of the world's great IPA brewers. IPA is available now from Brewers Publications at brewerspublications.com and your favorite homebrew store. Order your copy today and take your hot forward beers to the next level. American Homebrewers Association and Brewers Association members receive early notice and special discounts to most Brewers Publication releases. Visit brewerspublications.com to learn more and to find a schedule of author appearances. IPA by Mitch Steele. Get yours today. Seven short minutes off California State Route 101, there lies a secret oasis for all craft beer lovers. It's relax, grilling, and chilling, bro! Relax, grilling, and chilling in Hollister, California is a craft beer lover's dream come true. Not like a creepy JP dream. Like a normal craft beer lover's dream. 30 taps pouring your favorite craft beer. Visit Relax Grilling and Chilling on Facebook to see the most up-to-date beers and what's on the grill. Let us grill so you can chill. Angus burgers, filet mignon, and ribeye steaks, dogs and sandwiches, and more. Great food, great beer in a place where you can kick back and relax. Tuesdays are brewery nights. Come in to celebrate, and you're not limited to enjoying your favorite brew at the restaurant. Relax, grilling, and chilling has beer to go. Relax, grilling, and chilling. Let them grill so you can chill. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way.
back to your hosts, Jamil Zainashef and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. Hey, we're back. During the break, Palmer told me he doesn't like beer anymore. <laughs> yeah, so when's Heretic closing, Jamil? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, and that was after drinking heretic beer. He goes, I don't like beer anymore. I wonder I think, why. I think it was just an excuse. That or it's, you know, it's like, you know, when, like, JP, when you have sex with a woman and then the next week she becomes a lesbian. Right. I, I think it's the same thing. We give Palmer our beer and then all of a sudden right. he doesn't like beer anymore. It's a good thing I've never had sex with a woman. <laughs> what? That's <laughs> yeah, a good thing I've never had heretic you know, on Sundays. Right. Yeah. You know, well, I don't, I don't want to like beer either, so let me get some of this heretic. If you uh, if you did uh, want to have sex with a woman or a man or you know man on man or woman on woman or whatever on whatever uh, nothing wrong with that but I'll tell you where you can go for some exciting new toys huh 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 yeah. com. oh I thought you were going to say the, the Brewing Network store the, the AJ right. well exciting new toys you can get from either Blickman Engineering or AdamandEve.com they're used for different things but they're both exciting new toys uh, but Adam and Eve they, uh, if you go there and use the offer code Jamil, J-A-M-I-L, uh, you buy one item, you're going to get 50% off of that item. You'll also get a free extra sensual gift along with that. You're going to get free shipping on everything, mm-hmm. and you're going to get uh, three DVDs, free DVDs of your choosing. You can choose from a bunch of different categories. I can't remember them all, but I think there's something like anal, Asian, MILF, Co-ed. Uh, co-ed, POV, chunky, spastic. Spent grain. That's spank grain, yeah. Uh, mash, t- louder. Louder, yeah. yeah right. Um, spark. Blow off. Oh, wait. I think it's a real one. <laughs> right. right. Uh, but you can get all those uh, different categories, a bunch of different categories. You get to choose the DVDs. They don't just send you, you know, uh, goat sex DVDs. They send you the goat sex DVDs that you want. Um, and the free gift, free shipping. Oh, you buy one item, fifty percent off. It's a really good deal. It is uh, a good deal, and they're they're you know, you're everybody should at least place one order because you're getting a smoking uh, uh, smoking deal, and again, the one item, fifty percent off, and getting all that other free stuff. And uh, you know, at, at least you could sell it at your garage sale and uh, probably make a profit. So <laughs> there you go. There, there you go. So check it out. AdamandEve.com. They even have a mobile site. You can check out uh, m.adameve.com. Uh, good people. Check them out. All right. So we're talking about distribution. And uh, so we finding the distributor. Right. Okay. So in some states, you have to go through a distributor. I don't know. I wonder if it's easier to find a distributor in those states because... You're there's not no spoiled guar- for choice. There's no guarantee, right, mm-hmm. that any distributor would carry your beers. How do you see? And that's you know, I'm I, I got to admit ignorance here. I'm in a state where I can self distribute. So we started with self distribution, right? And then we had a distributor come and talk to us, which is actually uh, because of the brewery network, oh. and it turned out to be just wonderful. Is uh, Central Coast Distributing, uh, Mike Larrabee. He he actually was learning to homebrew. Heard our show, stuff like that. Heard uh-huh. we're opening a brewery, and he was like, he came by and said, "Hey, you know, I want to help you get started. I want to distribute your beer." Nice. And I'm like, "Well, yeah, I hear, hear horrible things about distributors. I don't know." And he's like, "Look, I'm not here to screw you. I'm here to get you help get you started. You know, I appreciate what you're doing on the Brew Network. 
I'm going to help you out. And true to his word, he's been fantastic. And really, he's helped open up other doors to other distributors. Right. And without that, you know, we have a great set of distributors. We're some of the, the biggest and best distributors in the United States. Mm-hmm. And it's all because of Mike Larrabee at Central Coast. Nice. You got to start in their area. All the stupid stuff that we would do that, you know, learning about, you know, what we're supposed to charge for, what we're not, how we're, you know, how everything works. No matter how stupid we were, they're like, oh, that's all right. Don't worry. We'll make it work. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. No matter what, you know, we, we charge anything, do anything. It's like, eh, it's all right. Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll make it work. It's all right. So really fantastic. And then uh, introduced us to other excellent uh, distributors. So when we want to open up a new area, he's been in the business for a long time. Sure. And it's you know, a generational thing for, for them. And uh, when we want to open up a new area, I go, hey, Mike, you know, we're, we want to move into this area over here. You know, who should we go with? And he tells me, gets me a connection, gets me all set. Uh-huh. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Now, I know everybody won't have that. But I'll tell you, you know, part of what you want to do is if you can build a reputation at all, and this is where your tasting room and self-distribution will help. Right. As soon as you, and and in this marketplace today, and the number of new distributors that are coming on. Nude distributors? Yes, nude distributors. Okay. um, uh, You can uh, rest assured that, you know, if you're doing a half-decent job, somebody will contact you and say, hey... Yeah, you, know, you want to, you want me to distribute your beer? Yeah, yeah. Now that may not be the best distributor for you. Right, that's the thing. Uh, you know, like I said, just about anybody can get a license to distribute in an area somebody else is already distributing. Yeah. What tends to be exclusive and where the whole territory thing comes in is for a brand. When we sign up with a distributor, mm-hmm. what happens is uh, we assign a territory to them. We say, okay, okay in, uh, for example, we just uh, uh, signed up with uh, Bay Area Beverage to distribute in Contra Costa and Alameda counties. We're no longer going to self-distribute there. Okay. Uh, and they're going to do Contra Costa and Alameda counties, and our contract will say the territory is described as all of Contra Costa and Alameda counties mm-hmm. in California. Okay. And so they have the right to sell our beer in those counties, nobody else can. We can't do it. We can't assign it to anybody else. It's their territory. Okay. And that's part of our deal with them, right? And distributors will want that. Different countries work in different ways. So mm-hmm. this is really you know, U.S. specific. Um, you can... I've been to distributors, and they'll have like a pile of beers from a variety of breweries. Right. And the, that's the pile that comes in from breweries asking for distribution. Oh. So they'll be like, they get sent beer all the time saying, hey, you know, carry our beer, carry our beer, carry our beer. Uh-huh. And, you know. It doesn't move very well. Doesn't necessarily mean they'll pick it up. Okay. It can be real tricky. Um, you know, I've got friends that get turned down for distribution in certain areas. Mm-hmm. So again, uh, you know, I, I don't think we're the best, you know, example of how to get distribution. But sure. um, I think starting out, building a little bit of a reputation for yourself, going to some events, uh, yeah, pouring at festivals, kind of thing. pouring at festivals. You go to these events, and I'm not a big fan of events, but I think when you're starting out, if you go to these things and 
the other distributors are there. Mm-hmm. There are rep, especially the bigger breweries. These are representatives, not necessarily of the brewery, but sometimes from the distributor that are there. Right. Or uh, you know, you can, you know, you'll or sometimes the distributors are coming around to these festivals to taste a variety of beers. Right. See what the you know what the vibe is for this beer, and then you know using that to say, hey, you know, this is a brand maybe we should carry in our in right. our area. Might give money to them. Yeah. Right. Why aren't you a fan of uh, festivals events? Um, Free beer. Just because a lot of times they are, we obviously don't read my blog. I don't. You're absolutely right. You don't read mine either, though. True. So we're even on that score. I'd like to learn something, though, when I read. <laughs> I just drew crayon drawings if I post those. But. Yes. Um, no, the um, the thing on um, events is a, a lot of them can be drunk fests where people are only mm-hmm. going there to get drunk. Right. And they will come up and they will specifically say, what beer do you have? What's your lightest beer? And we'll say, do you mean in terms of like color or flavor or bitterness or what do you have that doesn't have a lot of taste? I want something that doesn't have any taste to it. (laughs) I'm like, you're at the wrong booth. Yeah. You want to go somewhere else? (laughs) Do you tell them that? Yeah. Good. You should. Yeah. People and, like that should be told right up front. And they're going, no, it's okay. Just get, what, give me whatever. Whatever has alcohol. What, let's get the most alcohol. No, nah, you should go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, really. It's okay. Oh, I'll drink it. It's like, no, that's not what I'm, somewhere that's I'm afraid of, is that you're not going to drink my one ounce <laughs> yeah. sample. Right. Go somewhere else. Yeah. I had one, uh, somebody who, it was a ticketed event, and mm-hmm. they, they already gave their ticket. And uh, what do you have that uh, is light? Doesn't have much flavor. So you're at the wrong booth. I said, yeah, you got to go to a different booth for that. Oh. <laughs> Turned and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. She's like, oh, okay, done. Yeah. Uh, you know, right. I'm sorry, but you know, we're we're trying to make full flavor <laughs> products. Yeah. To ask me what doesn't have any flavor. So you don't like events because the wrong most. No, I'm fine with. I'm fine with that aspect of it. Isn't the most right? Are well, the people who are going there? But it's people going there just to get drunk. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. not your demo, right? Right. Yeah. If you're going there just to get drunk, I, you know, I really don't want to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, Best beer like, fest, bro. Yeah. They they don't care what it is. They're just no. pouring alcohol through. They won't remember what your beer is. And and attending events is expensive mm-hmm. you have the the labor involved it, it isn't free it costs you quite a bit and then you have the beer that you're giving away for free plus the fuel to get there all your other equipment your signs and all that stuff it adds up it's expensive yeah. to pour at events yeah and yeah. you know to do that just so somebody can get drunk and has no idea what beer they actually got drunk off of it's a waste of your time. It's a waste of your resources. I think it would be better to not participate in any events and just lower your price to, to the bars so that it could be on draft at more places. You don't think uh, going to events helps marketing at all? Well, if you do it right. It, it, it can. And yeah. there, there's it, it, it depends on the event. Some events, I think you get a few people that um, you know are passionate and, you'll, and you pick those people up. Great, right? I, and I, I went to an event at... Uh, a Yelp sponsored event just the other night. And 
the crowd at that thing at Auto Center in San Jose and the crowd at that thing, and they're all people who are some of their top Yelpers or, or whatever, okay. people that post on Yelp. Right. That crowd was fantastic. Wow. I was really impressed. Best crowd I've ever had at any event, bar none. Did you Yelp about the Yelp event? No, I didn't. But the, uh, you know, it was a bunch of, you know, uh, millennial age, you know, in the, the, the 21 to, to 30 range or whatever it is, uh, people, young people that uh, were passionate about what they were participating in and, and thinking about what they were consuming and why they liked it or why not. Mm-hmm. And they would talk to you about it. They wanted to learn about it and they want to have a good time and, and drink some beer. And I did a few full pours in for them, uh, you mm-hmm. know, for people who wanted them. Um, but they were just, you know, trying to, to find out if they, you know, what they liked. And, and a lot of them were like, I don't really like beer. Um, I'd like to try it. You know, tell me about it. You know, you know what's what's different about it. And, yeah. you know, I explain it to them. They try and they go, wow. Oh, that's that's really neat. You and know, that's they, much they different liked it. than yeah. asking for Right. They, they weren't there to get drunk. They were there to experience something new. Right. Fantastic. I loved that crowd. I was really impressed. And that that right. kind of event, I could do that event, uh, you know, over and over and over again. Yeah, that was a good use of our money, good use of our product, good use of my time. I think that that was fantastic. Now, that's not all events. Now, not all events are bad. Not all events are great. It just depends on the events, and you need to try some and learn. Um, I, I think almost always you might get a few people that um, you market to, and so your your cost yeah. of you know the people you're acquiring you know just varies the, I, the yelp one that was a, a real home run for us i don't know about you guys i've never picked up a new brewery from a beer fest right i can't well, remember i can't remember you, one that i've ever done because you but, you you know are seeking out beers otherwise you know people right. who are just you know they enjoy a pale ale you know because they've tried it a couple of places and they're not really beer geeks they go to these places and they go yeah i enjoy some craft beer and they'll try it and i think they that they will yeah <laughs> so uh um, right. you know so events cool. in and of themselves are not bad it just depends on the event i guess so, all right that's my rant on that i love it you got me started <laughs> So, so where um, were we before we got sidetracked? We were talking uh, about various distributors. Um, mm, mm-hmm. One one thing I was thinking of is, uh, you know, what do you look for when you're choosing a distributor? I mean, so far, mm-hmm. you know, you in particular had distributors recommended to you. Right. And you have a good reputation to sell to them, you know, so that they're they're more interested in you than, than you know, mm-hmm. potentially another brewery with another right. distributor in another state. Um I've heard you know talk of uh, you go into a distributor, you look at their portfolio of the stuff they're carrying, and you mm-hmm. think to yourself, you know, I don't know that our brand or our brewery fits this distributor. They're carrying a lot of not big national brands. Do mm-hmm. they understand my brand? Right. Well, and I think that um, that's that's one of the things that people would you know talk about, and they're like, well. If they're carrying Anna's Bush or Miller Coors, oh, that's that's Shock what they're top. gonna that's yeah. what they're gonna sell, and they're not gonna sell my brand. Um, so far, we're almost exclusively with um, the Miller Coors houses. Interesting, and it's because um, 
couple of things. You need to look at distributors and what they're capable of doing as far as you know, the number of staff they have to deliver, the number of salespeople they have to go out and work the market, the ability to uh, you know make sure there's clean lines, the ability yeah. to pay their debts. Uh, okay. You know, yeah. if you send twenty thousand dollars worth of beer to a distributor, and it's somebody who's working by himself, and you know can't keep it cold, can't move it, you know, keep it fresh, and can't pay their bills. Yeah, you just you're screwed. Yeah, uh, you know. So a little bit larger distributor, that's kind of nice in that respect. And I've found that you know the bigger distributors now. Um, there was some fight with Anheuser-Busch telling the distributors, you know, they needed to focus on their core brands and right. not all this other stuff. I don't think Miller Coors has done that, you know, but those, those bigger distributors, they're realizing that the, uh, larger, uh, um, you know, main lines of the l- largest brewers are shrinking. Yep. That, that market segment's shrinking and the craft market's growing and it's a higher dollar market. So they're looking at it as like, well, that's where I'm going to make some money. You uh-huh. know, if I can take Heretic and make it the next stone, I'm going to make some serious money off of this. Yeah, you know, they'll, you know, so they're they're, yep. they're willing to get behind it, and they're they're willing. They know that they can, um, you know, sell craft beer. Plus, their their retail their customers, the retailers, are asking them for more craft beer. So I think it's it's not quite the issue it was before where. You think, oh, they're only going to sell, you know, uh, you know the large, the large brands. Um, you know, there's always some of that. You don't sign up with a distributor for sales, right? Distributor is to distribute the beer. Okay, they will do some sales for you, mm-hmm. but you need to be working the market as well. You need to build a brand that's interesting you can't expect a distributor to build a brand for you okay you yeah, need to the, you know the brand's your personality yeah it's it's what you want to present to the consumer and why they should buy your brand why they should try it you develop that you promote that you actually tell the distributor how you want your brand represented you you say okay you know, if you're going to talk about our beer make sure you you know do this and that and the other thing mm-hmm. and they'll like okay yeah whatever you want it's your brand you know yep. it's not their brand but, you know, they also want to move a lot of beers, so they may have suggestions for you. Do it this way, do it that way. They'll do some sales. They'll sell anything that is going to sell. You know, they're not going to go into a place and not, you know, sell beer to them. Right. So if the place asks about your beer uh, or asks them, you know, what else they have in your portfolio or something, maybe you're tiny, you know. Mm-hmm. Generally, when they got a new product, they'll mention it to everybody. They'll say, "Hey, you know, we just picked up uh, Heretic Brewing." And hmm. uh, maybe the retailer goes, "Yeah, you know, yeah. sell me, uh, you know, a thousand cases of Coors Light." You know, okay, well, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's going to buy your beer, but I guarantee you, they're going to mention it to any account that they think will buy it because they want the sale. Yep, they don't want to. You know, they're not trying to hide your product so it doesn't get sold. Unless, you know, there's some, you know, <laughs> competing factor or something. I, I, yeah. I just don't see that. You know, they're, they're in the business to make money. So, um, real important that way. Um, uh, what else? Uh, choosing uh, distributors. Um, let's see. Rules? Rules. Yeah, there's rules. Um, Take a break. And, come back into that. 
Yeah. Have we uh, only done two breaks so far? All right. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, we'll wrap up with uh, a little bit more on distributors and any questions in the chat after this. By popular vote from the Northwest Brewing News, HopTech has been voted the best homebrew shop in Northern California. Serving homebrewers for nearly 30 years in Dublin, California, HopTech carries more than 40 different kinds of hops and more than 60 different grains. Malt extract, spices and sugars, hop oils and extracts. Open every day except Wednesday or shop online anytime at HopTech.com or call 1-800-DRY-HOPS, 1-800-379-4677. With in-store classes almost every Saturday, huge selection and a dedicated commitment to their customers, HopTech is one of the longest-running and passionate homebrew stores, period. And now, by popular vote, the best homebrew shop in Northern California. And don't forget their 15% military discount. HopTech. Visit today at HopTech.com. When Blickman Engineering set out to design a great brewing stand, they knew it had to be strong, adaptable, and last for a lifetime. The top-tier brewing stand is now proudly available at BlickmanEngineering.com. It grows with your brewing skills and equipment. Start with 5-gallon coolers on its heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves. Then move all the way up to 30-gallon pots on the high-output burner tiers. Speaking of burners, the custom Blickman Engineering top-tier burners are extremely powerful, efficient, and amazingly quiet. They have safety stops to center your pot and they'll last a lifetime and won't rust. The top-tier brewing stand allows virtually infinite combinations from traditional gravity systems to two tiers to completely horizontal. Configure your stand the way you want and have the freedom to change it at any time in the future. Your brewing stand should adapt with you, not force you to learn a new process. Visit BlickmanEngineering.com today to configure your top-tier brewing stand and to find a local Blickman retailer. You'll be surprised with all the flexible features and the competitive price. Start brewing with Blickman from the top tier. Hey, Jack, what you doing? <laughs> playing Warcraft? No way. It's TBG time, buddy. TBG? Get with it. I'm playing that brewery game. What brewery game? No, that's the name of the site, thatbrewerygame.com. What? Yeah, check it out, man. If you've ever brewed beer in your dreams or wish you could mash in right from your desk at work, you can. Kind of. With That Brewery Game. You can brew up a great batch of beer from anywhere, virtually. Then you can sell it, because in that brewery game, it's legal to sell your beer to the public, create recipes, brew virtually, upgrade your equipment, upload labels, and test market your brand at thatbrewerygame.com. You still slinging pissed-off birds into buildings from your phone? Forget that. Try making beer. Sweet. Register right now for your free account at thatbrewerygame.com. Brew. Drink. Play. ThatBreweryGame.com Alright, BN Army, it's trivia time. What's the only homebrew shop with over 1,000 recipe kits, $4.99 shipping on orders over 100 bucks, and is also home of the Wolf Shirt? The one and only answer is Austin Homebrew Supply. For over 20 years, they've specialized in creating recipes such as the best-selling Texas Blonde Ale, Apocalypso, Hot Bomb 2.0, and Double Chocolate Stout. And they just recently unveiled their small grain kits that produce one gallon of beer. Visit Austin 
MyHomeBrew.com to browse their extensive catalog of equipment and ingredients. They also have mini clone recipes of your favorite commercial beers. They're the exclusive retailer of BrewVent Yeast Fuel as well, Yeast Nutrient, and the all-new Bodybuilder. Follow Austin Homebrew Supply on Google Plus to participate in video hangouts on popular brewing topics. So visit AustinHomebrew.com today and make sure you sign up for their weekly email with news and specials. Austin Homebrew Supply, AustinHomebrew.com. That's it. I've had it. I am never putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a home brew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special Secret Elite. Elite Bare Bones Club, where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit! NicoBrew.com N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W NicoBrew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. In a world where everything has been lost. What happened to the city? It's in ruins. Only one man has the ancient knowledge to restore civilization. I need a drink. Oh no, the liquor store's been ransacked. You looking for beer, stranger? (laughs) Boy, all the liquor got drunk up in the first 25 minutes of the apocalypse. Wait, there's still some bottles over... Oh, no. Those are non-alcoholic beer. (laughs) I reckon you better stick to arrowroot tea and a desperate nomadic existence like the rest of us. People, I'm a home brewer. I know how to make alcohol. (gasps) Oh, it can't be done. Come with me if you want the beer. Some big plastic buckets. He is the chosen one. The prophecies say that he's going to get us wasted. Someone start heating water. And From the creators of Northern Brewer, the people who brought you $7.99 Brew Saver shipping, massive selection, and superior customer service comes the home. A vial of White Labs yeast is the key to your best beer. When you open a vial of White Labs yeast, you're giving your beer its best chance for a perfect fermentation. In addition to their already incredible variety of yeast, White Labs is proud to announce WLP 90, San Diego Super Yeast, now available year-round. WLP 90 is super clean, super fast fermenting, with low esters and has a neutral flavor and aroma profile. It's alcohol tolerant and highly flocculent. For more of the latest White Labs news, click over to whitelabs.com, where you can read reviews of yeast, learn in the lab section, and join the customer club. And if you should find yourself in San Diego, White Labs has a brand new training facility for craft brewers and home brewers alike. Whitelabs.com. Discover yeast, nutrients, enzymes, and more for commercial breweries, home brewers, and homebrew stores. White Labs. It's all in the vial. 
to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. We're talking uh, distribution on the progasm here. Yep. Talking yeah. kiggage, cooperage. Cooperage? Yeah. Uh, that's one of the things that uh, I think people don't realize. So when you uh, are distributing in your your tasting room or whatever in brew pub, you could have a bright tank and serve from that or you right. can keg it and serve from that. And when it's empty, that keg goes right back in the brewery. You know, your turn time is real quick. You can clean it, fill it, go again. When you go out, you're self-distributing. You take these kegs out to retailers and you wait for them. You know, they'll have... Uh, Let's say it's a beer they want to keep on all the time, which is ideal for you. Right. You you got to drop them one keg to uh, hook up to the tap and another keg to have in reserve. Right. Or maybe two, depending on how quick they're going through it and how often you're delivering. As they empty these kegs, they sit there until you come and get them. You take them back. You clean them. You fill them again, right? Right. That's your float. A certain amount of keg float you need in order to uh, – because you got to fill – the kegs at the brewery first you right. can't go okay. and get them bring them back fill them and then one take them time. back out yes. one at a time you've got to you know wait until you have enough to keg off a full batch you have uh, to have the beer already filled so you can when you go out there to pick up the empties you're taking them new full ones right and then you're bringing back the empty ones and you got to clean those all that so you need to have enough to do multiple batches when you go to a distributor you're adding a whole nother loop in there as to you sell your kegs to the distributor. The distributor puts them in their warehouse. Over time, they sell them to the retailers. Over time, the retailers go through the kegs and empty them. Yeah. Over time, the distributor goes back and, gets them. and collects them. Some distributors are horrible about collecting kegs. I mean, you go to some retail outlets, you see a mountain of empty kegs. And they're like, goddamn distributors will pick up the kegs. <laughs> um, and those kegs get taken back to the distributors they sit at the distributor until it's time for either you to go collect them or they ship them to you or whatever arrangement you have right then you get them and you need to clean them fill them get enough to fill an entire batch in the meantime you're sending out more and more kegs it's yeah. a huge huge float it, it, it yeah. gets bigger and bigger every tap handle that you have out there you know, they'll, the the industry advice is like if you're self-distributing, it's something like, you know, two kegs per tap hill and not nearly enough. Uh-huh. And if it, you're going to the distributor, it's like three to four times per tap handle, not nearly enough. I think it's more like five to six. Yeah. I mean, it really adds up. I would imagine, yeah. You'll you'll need far more kegs than you think. And when your average cost runs, you know, even at the cheapest you know, on a mix of six barrel and half barrels, you know, you're probably at least a hundred bucks a pop on on you know your average uh, keg per mix. Um, you know, it, you drop a hundred thousand dollars in no time. Yeah, it, off on a tangent. You know, where when does a uh, having your own keg washer become vital in this <laughs> day one? <laughs> <laughs> So there's a little little tip there for you guys. Yeah, uh, keg washer. You know, you're looking anywhere from like fifteen to thirty grand. Mm-hmm. Um, you can build something, and uh, you know, with some pumps and and it, there's stuff posted online and Pro Brewer and 
you know, you need a, essentially a coupler. You use a pump to pump the the kegs are designed to clean upside down. Yeah. That's how they they actually designed modern Sankey kegs from the ground up as far as how um, they'd be cleaned and filled and things like that. And they're designed to be cleaned while they're sealed. So you turn them upside down, the cleaner fountains out the spear and washes the keg walls at a certain speed. Then you reduce the speed and it kind of dribbles down the spear and cleans that part and and the bottom part. Uh, and then it comes back out and it goes in a reservoir. So you just need a pump and two speeds on the pump and a reservoir and you could run that, right? Mm-hmm. You need to rinse it in between because you don't really want to run, you know, caustic and then like carbon dioxide. You, you, you can flush it with air and then you can, um, run your acid cycle. You can rinse it, things like that. Mm-hmm. And your sanitizer. And so you can do, you know, multiple cycles and you could really, you could do just caustic for a month. And then you can do just acid for a month and alternate between them. Um, you don't necessarily have to do both. Um, depends how worried you are about beer stone buildup. Hmm. On your spear. the important thing. Yeah, <laughs> on your spear, yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, you could build something like that probably for a couple hundred bucks or, you know, less than a thousand bucks if you're, you're doing new pumps. And you got to have a pump that's, you know, strong enough to do the first cycle and then the the second part of the cycle is you know lower yeah so uh you can do that um and if you're just doing a few kegs uh you know you could take the spears out and fill them up with pbw and you know clean them like a homebrew keg but you know the labor and all that involved is ridiculous Um, yeah you know if you if you really want to be a production brewery and send beer out or if you're dealing with, you know, any number of kegs, then you really just need to buy a keg washer. Yeah. And I guess, you know, we were just talking during the break, um, number of kegs, you know, for, you know, size brewery. I mean, I know a, a brewery that's a distributing brewery that's uh, doing about 2,000 barrels a year, and they have 6,000 kegs. Right. Um, that's that's not chump change. Right. And you figure, you know, they, they probably... You know, ranging at least, uh, you know, a hundred dollars a keg. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the cleaning of those, and mm-hmm. and the you know the storage space. You know, right. they come back. Right. I mean, I know I, I visited there, and there was kegs stacked everywhere, and they were in the business in the in the process of you know pulling a batch and getting the kegs ready to fill, and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's a and you want to balance it. You know, you don't want to use up too much of your storage space. You gotta, you know. You want it, but you can't run out either and not be able to package up a batch. Right. Uh, we run real lean and tight right now, and so every once in a while we have to we drive out to uh, our distributor in San Francisco and pick up kegs there because uh, you know we're like oh, yeah, we're a little bit short. We got to pick up because I don't want to I don't want to tie up too much capital in there, and then you know right. we don't have the storage space where we're at now. Uh, when we get to new new space, we'll have more storage space, and I'll be able to lay in some more kegs but right now we just don't have the room mm-hmm. uh one other thing i want to mention before we finish this when you sign up with a distributor it's like a marriage almost every state you know they have varying levels of franchise laws and um the reality is that if you sign a contract with a distributor there's no way back out of that contract no matter what it says generally there's no way back out you can put all the language you want in there but if it's not legal in the state you're you, it, it doesn't matter why why is that i mean it is 
The interesting thing is, all right, so if you were to want to open a McDonald's location, mm-hmm. uh, you would get a franchise license from the corporation and you'd run this, this location and there's certain laws about that that control that. And when you can, you can't just say, well, I'm independent of you and I'm running my own McDonald's because mm-hmm. the brand belongs to them and all that, right? Right. And there's multiple people <coughs> all over an, an area. So somehow with beer, they said that, well, the fact that you're giving the distributor the license to distribute in an area, they're a franchisee of you. Hmm. Actually, my personal opinion is they're not. Um, You know, they're not producing beer (laughs) and selling it under our brand. They're just selling it, distributing it. Yeah. Right. But the way, you know, our political system works and all that, uh, it's been determined that, uh, you know, the franchise laws apply. And so because of that, you know, it's like if you have a McDonald's franchise, I think they can't yank the license from you unless they have good cause. Right. You know, hmm. so we can't have the distributor stop distributing unless we have good cause. And then you have to give them time to correct any flaws okay. in that. And, uh, you know, if they don't correct it, you know, after you notify them and they have like, you know, six months to correct the problem. And you can't use things like lack of sales or things like that as hmm. reason for, um, you know, yanking the, the license from them. Interesting. Now, you can buy, a lot of the contracts have the ability, you can buy the accounts they have away from them if they want to sell them at a certain amount of money. Hmm. So, uh, like a marriage, you can't really get out of it without parting with a lot of money. <laughs> That's but, uh, you know, it's just, the the thing is, when I first started doing this, um, you know, the all the stuff I heard from brewers and online, I read online, all this stuff, made me so terrified of distributors. Like, somehow they're going to screw you, and they only have their best interest in mind, and, uh, you know, they're just money-grubbing, and they don't know what they're doing, and it's just, you know, this horrible collection of people. Well, the reality is com- is completely different than that. I'm sure people have had bad experiences with some distributors, but the majority sure. of distributors, I think, are actually quite good. I think they, the reason that they succeed and the reason that they make money is, again, because they're very efficient at what they do. They know what they're doing. They're knowledgeable. They're, they provide good product and good service, and they keep people happy. Yeah, That's how they're making their money. And they want to keep you happy, too. Now, they're not going to run around and wipe your ass for you, but, you know, they'll try and help you out. They'll try and, you know, work with you in a way that is positive, constructive. They're not going to do everything for you. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to do stuff yourself. They're in the business of distributing the beer. You're in the business of making it, marketing it, and selling it. And they'll, you know, handle those other parts of the transaction. They'll help you some on that, but you can't count on that. And... You know, if you realize it's a relationship and a in a in a tight one, where the more you put into that relationship, the more you work with them on yeah. on making them successful, the more they're going to work with you on making you successful. It's like a marriage again, and, and, and with that partner, you work hard. Yeah, you're both going to benefit, and mm-hmm. that's what you know the brewery distribution relationship is like. 
and um, they're going to tell you when it's time to wipe your ass. <laughs> right? They're going to say you're not wiping your ass well enough. I, I can smell you from here. Yeah. Uh, so you know, you you just need to keep that in mind. And I, you know, my experience has been nothing but positive because of that. I think, you know, I don't expect them to go out and you know be you know mar- uh, developing marketing for us. Right. You know, they're there. You know, as part of the supply chain. And, uh, you know, they've, they've been fantastic. So I think you know, keeping that in mind, you, you, you can do very well. And uh, my experience has been nothing but positive. You know, there's there's always some bumps in the road. But, again, I think, you know, it's, it's like when you have bumps in the road in a marriage. Yeah. You talk to the other person and say, hey, here's the situation. And if you're both reasonable, you work it out. If not, mm-hmm. then you get divorced. It costs you money, you get divorced, and you move on. Yeah. And so... That's that's just the way it is. It it keeps you from you know willy nilly changing one or the other. All right. Any questions from the chat? Before yes, we, wrap we do. This up? We have um, we have a few, and we're running out of time, so mm-hmm. we'll hope to get to them all. Um, this is from Onamar in the chat. He says, uh, "Opinion answer is fine. In a highly populated metro area, how does having a number of beer cafes and brew pubs adjacent to each other affect sales or general viability?" Example would be downtown Oakland. There are a, mm-hmm. a few craft beer bars within well, I think it, several it blocks of each other. Absolutely helps everybody. Uh-huh. It, it increases sales dramatically. It, it's it's like anything. It's like having a bunch of restaurants together. All the restaurant sales go up. Mm. It's like having multiple people in the same you know marketing and and advertising the same product. Everybody come become uh, the population becomes more aware of the product. Right. And sales go up for everybody that is doing a decent job. If you're doing a shitty job, then yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be screwed by the new competition. Right. But if you have a bunch of people doing a really good job, more populations can be drawn to that area that enjoys that thing, and everybody's sales go up. So I wouldn't be afraid of those areas. All right. Um, Rig two four zero three asks, what is the most challenging thing in regards to expanding your distribution? Uh, you know, you need to balance, you need to balance your output with the distribution. You can't sign distribution and then not have beer for them. That pisses them off because they're investing in providing that beer. They don't want to go to their retailers and say, oh, we got this product and then, oh, sorry, we're out. I can't sell it to you. Um, that, that screws with them. That's one thing. The other thing is any area that you sign up to have distribution in, Mm -hmm. you need to be willing to travel to that area and work the market with their salespeople, talk to their salespeople, train their salespeople, go to events and things like that. The further that area is away from you, yeah, the harder it is to support that area. So, and without support, the area tends not to do so well. So, okay. Uh, and this is from our good friend Nico Brew. Nico, buddy. Uh, I saw wants- him out in Idaho. Yeah, I was visiting the marketplace. Well, there you go. See, that's what happens. You get out into the marketplace, you meet people like Nico. And you have to do those things. And you have to decide if that's good or not. Right. So Um, we'll probably pull back from Idaho (laughs) after that experience. I know Nico, too. (laughs) Uh, He goes, uh, do craft breweries lose a lot of kegs? People putting a deposit and stealing them to make beer in or whatever. Yes. Straightforward. That's what we like. You You lose like 5% of your kegs every year. Really, five percent. Yes, it's a huge loss of money. 
Um, and it's just stuff that it goes to scrapyards mainly. I think. I yeah. don't. Think, I think you know. I've heard of stories of brewers chasing their kegs to scrap. Yeah. Like uh, yeah. I think JJ was doing this a while. EJ yep. Fair every month he would go to the local right. scrapyards and pick up his kegs. Right. Yeah. Um, I think you know some are stolen by you know home brewers. Not not a huge amount. It can't be that. I mean, there's not that yeah. many home brewers, right. right? Yeah. But a lot of them are are and stolen think, off the porch of bars. Right. But. Um, uh, scrap, you know, people taking them to scrapyards, huge, yeah. huge, you know, tens of millions, if not, if not billions of dollars of perfectly good kegs going to scrap in scrapyards. That's it's, crazy. It's ridiculous. It's, it's thievery and, uh, of the worst kind. So, eh, you know, homebrewers shouldn't do it either. You know, it's right. screwing the, the craft beer industry you love. Um, but I don't think it's the major part of the problem. No. Uh, okay, last question we have time for. K Moss um, asks about the pros and cons of going with a bigger distributor versus a smaller boutique distributor. Well, a lot of times the only distributor you can get is a smaller distributor if you're not known and don't have a you know an in with another distributor. A lot of times the bigger distributors won't even talk to you. You know they they they're just not interested in somebody that's small can't produce enough beer for them. So you have to go small. And what happens is the smaller distributor starts distributing you, and then the bigger distributor, if you're successful, they'll buy those accounts from that smaller distributor and, you know, then take it from there. Um, uh, you know, the thing, the smaller boutique distributor, people go, well, you know, they'll focus more on my beer because it'll be an important part of their portfolio and all that. Yeah, but they tend to have fewer salespeople and fewer, you know, delivery trucks and, you know, maybe not, you know, enough cold storage or things like that. Not enough people to go clean lines, you know. So the bigger distributor, yeah, they have a lot of other brands to deal with. So maybe you don't get quite as much attention, but they have 20 times the number of people. They have, Better you know. support overall. Right. Potential. So, um, you know, and, and the bigger distributors, the smaller boutique distributors tend to deal in, the craft beer bars and and craft beer bottle shops and stuff like that you can do those yourself you know you can go to any geeky craft beer bar and you can sell them a keg they'll buy it they'll you know they'll put it on uh you know you go any of those it's really easy to sell to the hard part places to sell to are like you know grocery store chains 7-elevens things like that the distributors they're already in the bigger distributors they're in there. They're they're in there selling a Bud Light and Coors Light and all that stuff, and uh, you know they can go in and go. Yeah, we also got you know if you want to dabble in some craft beer, we got this stuff too. That's like, hey, I got Heretic and Seven Elevens. <laughs> a lot of the smaller uh, distributors, uh, yeah, some can, but but some of them, you know, they're, they're not going to get you into places like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think that that's that's a nice way to kind of uh, branch out. So. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the difference is, um, you know, but I think a lot of times you, you're going to need to go with the newer guy. If you're, if you're starting out and you don't have a reputation, you need to, you need to get that rolling. Um, the smaller guy is the way to go mm-hmm. in, in that instance. That's right. it from the chat. All right. Good show. Anything else to add, John? Not this time. That was, that was a good okay. show. Yeah. Don't forget, uh, if you got any questions about, uh, uh, going pro, 
and you want us to address that on upcoming uh, Q&A show or shows if we if we need the time. Progressum Q&A. Yeah, send that to uh, uh, Bruce Strong at thebrewingnetwork.com or Jamal, J-A-M-I-L at thebrewingnetwork.com. Funny, J-A-M-I-L is also the code you can use at adamandeve.com. That's right. For your, your nope. hefty discount. Not only can you, but should you should. You should. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely, you should. And uh, check out other great sponsors, uh, Blickman Engineering, Blickman with two N's, uh, great folks, great products, uh, the AHA, Brew Your Own Magazine. You can, you can yep. uh, subscribe for that. Uh, go to thebrewingnetwork.com, click on that link. And if you do, half of your subscription goes to the uh, price goes to the Brewing Network. It's no higher subscription price, but half of they just peel off half of that and give it to the Brewing Network to help out the Brewing Network. So it's really cool. And you get a great magazine to go with. Uh, yeah, check out the IPA, Mitch Steele's IPA book. It's in the Brewing Network store right now. Uh, I got my copy. John's got his copy. Uh, a great book, and uh, you can pick that up and help Brewing Network as well. And new BN Army hats, glassware, all yes. sorts of cool stuff. And when you buy that stuff, it helps the Brewing Network. helps keep this show on the air. So I'm uh, wearing mine right now. Don't, uh, don't hesitate to uh, open up the wallet on that. And if you're uh, listening live, stay tuned. we got one more coming up. Uh, on marketing and uh, other than that if you're listening to podcasts two weeks till then Bruce Strong Bruce Strong everybody